Welcome home, everyone. Thank you for joining in on this episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. Welcome Home is a podcast where I, your host Josh, sit down for a conversation with different people who I admire and discuss whatever's on their mind, and especially focus on life at home in times like this. Wherever you are and however you're listening, thank you for your support, and once again, welcome home. for joining in on this week's episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. If you're listening to this now, I am back in Franklin. I made a little trip over the weekend to go see my cousin Caitlin get married. And I'm recording this before that, but I'm just anticipating that everything is going to go great. And it was an awesome weekend. So I'll just say that it was a great weekend last weekend. Uh, I wanted to start off the show with uh, a little differently because... With everything that's been going on in the world lately, uh, I feel like I owe it to at least say a few words. And, you know, when I when I post these podcasts, I have access to like um, different analytics and I can see it actually shows me like different regions of the world where people are listening from. And when I posted last last week's uh, episode, I don't look at it that often, but I went and looked and basically there's this big map of the world and it has little dots. It doesn't show me exactly where you are, but it shows me like the cities that people listen in. And uh, I noticed that we actually have listeners in Ukraine, which is insane to me. I don't know how you guys, anyone from Ukraine has found this podcast, um, but we, I, we do have listeners in Ukraine and Eastern Europe and all over Europe, but um, not a lot, but they, they do exist. And so if you're listening to this and you're in Ukraine or you're in Eastern Europe, uh, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you and my whole family is praying for you. You guys are in our thoughts. It, it's one of those things where, you know, I think a lot of people, especially in America, would would agree with this, that it's so far away from us. It feels so far away um, that and and we we want to help. And a lot of times it it feels like we don't know what to do when something so tragic like war happens in this world. And so um, with that being said, I'm going to continue to pray. And I know my family is and I know that, you know, the rest of our listeners here uh, in the U.S. and all of the world are praying for Ukraine and Russia and all of Europe uh, during this time. But yeah, I wanted to say that. And if you're the, that person who listens from Ukraine, thank you for your support and uh, just know that I, I notice it. Um, all right, well, that's that. And today I'm I'm excited to get into uh, my conversation with my guest because this guest is someone who I have known for a very long time. And uh, if anyone ever asked me, who's my best friend? 
I say it's this guest. And so uh, we'll get into our relationship, I'm sure, later. But I want to welcome to the show my best friend, Mr. Hank Curtis. Hank, thank you for being here, bro. Dude, thank you so much. And I appreciate those words you just opened with. Um, yeah, that's a really cool perspective. So. Of course, man. I uh, I know you're a, you're a deep thinker, and I'm sure yep. I haven't talked to you about just Ukraine. I'm sure you've been thinking about it a lot. And yep. It's a it's a strange time to be alive and you know i think our generation in some ways we've been blessed but in other ways not so much but you know we i I don't remember a time where there was you know a war like this um no and and like i I get nervous even talking about like nuclear war but this is like the closest i've ever felt to it in my lifetime absolutely um it's just crazy. Yeah, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around it when it's just not something that you're used to at all. And you, we learned about war and history and all yeah. that growing up. This feels so much further beyond that for some reason, I guess. It's just because we're at that age where we can understand things. Yeah. And it's also one of those things, like, uh, I get nervous when I talk about it with people because there's so much about the world that I don't understand. Right. And like Exactly. Like, politics and all these different world leaders and or, like NATO and the UN and all these organizations. I don't understand like the dynamics of that, um, totally. And, but I just pray for peace. That's, that's mm-hmm. ultimately what I want. And, um, I hope that the people who are in power and who have the influence to make that happen, I, I hope that, you know, they have wisdom and, and, uh, perseverance and, um, you know, determination to 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 come to peace but anyways um you're my best friend bro i know and you're you're my best friend (laughs) (laughs) and uh you uh i'll i'll let you go ahead and just introduce yourself to our listeners who may not know who you are just a brief introduction of um who is hank curtis yeah man i'm hank i'm obviously i'm your best friend fortunately I'm, i'm blessed by that um, grew up grew up down here in Franklin. Most we went to high school, middle school together. Um, known you for years. Known your parents for years. Very fortunate. I've known your whole family for years, um, which is awesome. Um, see, I went to went to college. Went to University of Kentucky. Um, had some, you know, did some cool things there uh, while I was in school. Um, yeah, moved back home. Just kind of been working here and and sort of almost i guess bridging the gap in my life i in, in a in a way um till i just move on to the next thing i guess so that's a pretty good summary i would yeah, say yeah. without saying a whole lot yeah well for those of you who don't know hank like i've said he's my best friend some things you should know about hank he's very loyal uh he's very honest and he makes me laugh a lot i love being around hank and i'm again so thankful that you're here uh to to record with me and just talk and uh, I know that you've listened to some of our podcasts mm-hmm. so you know the format that we that we have we have three questions I have three questions for my guests and the first two questions are things that I'm more interested in and then the third question is a little bit more about you so we'll get there when we get there but first off uh, I'll ask this question and so 
this wasn't the question that I was planning on asking, so I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> cool, but, perfect. But just the way this episode started off, I felt like, I feel like this is a good place to go because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. And something I honestly don't talk about on the show a lot, but I feel like it's a good time to, to do it. And mm-hmm. it's about just the state of the country. Mm. And, you know, it seems like this is a topic that has become harder and harder to talk mm-hmm. about, especially over the last two years. But even before, like probably four right. or five years, yep. like, it's just it, you feel like you're walking through a minefield when you're talking about it. So. I'm going to tell you now, you can say whatever you want, and I'm not going to judge you. I think No, I think it's a great idea. Um, but here's a question for you, because growing up in America, I'm 25, you're 26. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we were born mid-90s. And, you know, if you grow up in America, especially in the South, like, national pride is a big thing, and patriotism... And you hear a lot of stories. You you hear this all the time. It's the greatest country in the world, which is something I agree with mm-hmm. personally. I love being an American mm-hmm. and I love living in America. And with that said, I think that for people in our generation, a lot of times when you hear something like that, it feels different. It feels like we can't really relate to it a lot of the way in the same way that maybe our parents can. Mm. And this is not me throwing a pity party for kids born in the 90s, but this the reality is, you know, when we were young, a lot of times our our earliest memories were September 11th. Right. And then the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, mm-hmm. which started when we were kids and we just got out of Afghanistan. We're yep. still in Iraq. Yep. Then the financial crash of 2008. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, you know... We had the the pandemic, yep, which was a very crazy time for our country. Unbelievable. Then we had you know the whole twenty twenty election cycle, which mm. was just insane. No matter what side you fall on mm. that spectrum, and then and now in twenty twenty two, we're dealing with something that we th- we we thought was only in the past, back in the sixties and seventies, which is is war in Europe. And so, you know, I, I don't ever feel like. Personally, it doesn't feel like we've experienced like the golden age of like the golden 80s that that our parents grew up in. I want to ask you, do you feel that way? And could if you do or don't, either way is fine. But do you what do you think is like the difference between the way our generation perceives the country and maybe our parents or our grandparents? I like that. First of all, I do feel that way, but to a certain degree, I don't know why. Mm. Um, so that's a tough part of it, but yeah, I had this conversation with my my biological father. Like he's a little older; he's born in the fifties, late fifties, um, and you know he just sees the world so much different for whatever reasons. There, there's a ton of reasons, right? Um, and part of that is just the way I, I guess the country used used to be, which I get I can't wrap my mind around because I wasn't there. Um, but at the same time, also I don't know enough. Like I. Sh- I should do more research on sort of where where we come from, where we were, outside of just what we were taught in school. Um, really find out for myself, but just from like the obvious, um, you know, we we 
we're five, six years old and 9-11 happens. Mm -hmm. And so like the idea of terror is so ingrained in people that are our age. Um, And so that whole war, I think also that word is related to it. And so we see war in this super extreme way. Not that I, not that anybody else doesn't. I'm sure they do in other yeah. de- generations. Um, but there's these just burning images that come with that entire war. And it's the ones that we saw on TV all day that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then you get into, you know, to, to 08 with not, you know, the market crashes. That's the last time that gas was over $4. Wow. Um, and it was just, I didn't, I didn't understand anything then yeah. still we were we were 12 uh sixth grade i guess um i just i still didn't understand so and the reason i say that is because as we got into the 2012 election 16 and then 2020 it seems unbelievably um just it just seemed so crazy and divided yeah um especially 2012 it opened my eyes to it a lot yeah um, and then, like, I knew it was a big deal that President Obama was elected in 08, um, and I thought that was, it was amazing to think about having just come off the heels of learning about slavery and what our country had been about sort of originally. Yeah. Um, and so having those two kind of things collide when you're, like, 12 years old and your brain is, like, huge. Yeah. Um, but not understanding how the adults felt about it, right? Yeah. I don't, now I know how the adults feel yeah. about it, and I wish I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and so I think part of it is just, which is, I guess, still what you're asking, is just about our age and yeah. the exact time frame that we've been born and, and the way we've experienced all this is unique. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's the maybe the point you're getting at or what you see, but that's sort of how I see it. Yeah, well, I... And these are just statistics from sources that I trust. So mm-hmm. if you listen to this and you're like, oh, that's wrong, you feel free to reach out to me and tell me it's wrong. But I, I've heard this, that our generation uh, is the first American generation to inherit inherit a worse economy than our parents did. Mm-hmm. Up until this point, it's been, we've been going uphill. Right. And um, I know that like the average age of of like millennials and Gen Z to like buy a home or get married or have a kid, all of those things are higher than they've than than the boomer generation, right? Which right. are you know mm-hmm. buying a home, getting married, having kids. Those are all signs of like economic stability, right? Um, so at least those numbers right there, they don't speak well to like the mm-hmm. economic confidence that our generation has, and then. You know, I'm sure you've heard this, and I've heard it from my parents and lots of people their age, especially over the last few years. I hear comments like, I don't ever remember a time where the country was this divided. I hear it all the time. And it's strange to me because, yes, I see, I definitely feel like the country is divided and very polarized, but also it feels like this is how it's been my whole life. And so it's hard for me to like imagine a time where it's Mm -hmm. not like this. But according to my parents, it it wasn't always like this. Dude, that's so real. Yeah, I think about that a lot, actually. Because again, like I said, so my dad's born in the late 50s. So he has like this memory, right, of JFK being assassinated and the way that my grandma reacted to that and just how polarizing something like that was. Yeah. Um, but he makes that same comment all the time. I've just, I've never seen anything like this. Mm -hmm. And the thing that he follows it up with 
is, you know, I'm not worried about me, me speaking as him, you know, I'm 63 years old, whatever it is. He's like, I'm worried about you guys. You know, you're yeah. 40 years younger than me. I'll, I'll be gone within, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm worried about you guys and how, because, and that speaks to what you just said about where things would go up by generation, right? Yeah. Sort of, they would make that next step into the mm-hmm. ladder um, just as a country. And a guy that's 63 years old or whatever he is, I can't even remember. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> He's sitting here admitting some sort of statement along the lines that would exactly represent what you're saying. So to me, it's true. I mean, it's just one more thing I'll say about this is, and this is not me making an endorsement, but in 2016, in my opinion, like the most successful political slogan or whatever you want to call it, that of my lifetime came out and it was make America great again. Right. And that saying resonated with a lot of people in the country, obviously, because Donald Trump became elected. Right. And that was what he ran on. Make America great again. Yep. And when I think about that, it's like, why does that resonate with so many people? Well, it makes me think that, okay, we're not as good as we used to be. Right. Right. And I feel like that's a strong feeling, obviously, among a lot of people in the country is that where we're at right now is we're not in a we're not in a better place than we used to be. It's a worse place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's sad to me to think about. And when I do think about the country, I actually spend a lot of time doing it. I don't talk about it publicly. I do think I spend a lot of time thinking about the state of the country. Right. And, you know, as, as many problems as we have and as many issues as we have, I think most people would agree that we're still the predominant power in the world right now. Right. The, the, the reigning, air quote empire of the world right now and you know all i know about empires is that they always fall Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that that's coming anytime soon but what i do know is that america is not going to last forever and that's a sobering thought to think about you know maybe it will but history tells me it won't (laughs) because we weren't always top dog and um, there was plenty of, of, of countries and nations and empires that reigned a lot longer than we have, and they all fell eventually. And so uh, I say that to, to, to get to this point, is that you, know, you, d- you don't reach the top and then you just sit there. No. You, gotta keep, you have to keep making um, the country better, and you have to keep moving forward because... Um, Everyone else is chasing you. Bro, I, I completely agree. That's a great I mean, that's a great way to look at it. And people aren't willing to have that type of mindset though. Yeah. It's just I don't know if it's it's to me that's really simple, right? That that's like a two plus two equals four type of idea. Yeah. I think some people find that to be super complex for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Or way deeper than it actually is. And I'm I'm guilty of seeing things way deeper than they actually are more than the next guy, but I I think it's just hard to wrap our minds around it because, it is. you know, anyone alive today was born in a time where America was exactly was the the world superpower. Exactly. So and, we don't really know what it looks like when. And it's man, like there's also when when this much gets going between this many people, there's a personal responsibility that comes with that, right? The way you act and the way you you know you can't always control your thoughts or control your, but the way you you react to things and the way you 
if you continue to think a certain way without, you know, when you've been challenged with the truth. Um, and again, I'm, I'm like the, like the first, you know, perpetrator when it comes to that mm-hmm. stuff. But, um, you know, people are just not, people hate taking responsibility. It's just yeah. because they, they know that it's true. Whenever you, whenever you have to take responsibility for something, that means you did something wrong, that there's some fact in that. And yeah. It's tough to swallow. Um, so that's really probably what needs to happen. It's just more people need to take responsibility for the yeah. way they act. Totally agree, man. And as a, a proud American, and I know you are as well, mm-hmm. uh, I hope that our country, I, I, I have to have faith that our country can get pull through this and um, hopefully be stronger in the future than we are today. But okay, I was nervous talking about that because yeah, I no, didn't yeah. say anything. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't glad, actually no, believe you, or whatever. But. Exactly. I yeah, I struggle with the same thing, and it's I'm just I'm glad you brought it up because yeah. we need to talk about it. Okay, moving on to question number two, and still thinking about the golden age of America. Mm. Um, in the '60s, I think it was, we went to the moon. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, I'm going to say <laughs> there's a few people that would that would challenge well, that. I would ask you. <laughs> I want to ask you, it's a two-part question. One, do you think we really went to the moon? And then two, if we go back to the moon in our lifetime, Mm -hmm. or even Mars, Mm -hmm. what do you think that would mean just for, Mm -hmm. to you? And like, what's the significance of that to you? That's interesting. Well, I I do believe probably that that, that the the most likely scenario is that, that we went to the moon and that those pictures are real, all that stuff. Okay. I believe that to be the most likely I was scenario. Hoping you, I was hoping you were saying no because I think that would be a great conversation. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I, I just. I can't say that now. If I were to go and do more research on it, man, I'm liable to change my mind. Yeah, pretty bro, quick. It's dangerous, man. Cause, it's just because so many things can make sense in your head. It's just soon as one little piece fits, yeah. you're just like, dang, that makes sense. That's also one of those topics that, like, <clears> if you go deep enough, then you start questioning like everything, everything. and exactly. it's like. I don't know if that's man. a healthy thing to really get it's into. Not, it's but... not. It, that, that, it's not. It's not the answer to that. Yeah. But anyways, you know, I, I do believe that's probably what happened. Um, and you know, I don't know what. Here's the thing about going to <laughs> to Mars or going back to the moon or whatever. We operate in the the infrastructure of technology we have. Um, we all work with operate almost within the same box of things right the iphone and Mm -hmm. our computers and and whatever it is um so the significance of us going away from this lifestyle and going to there i'm not i'm not sure i can wrap my mind around it just because you know i don't i don't understand anything outside of the way we live which is just like a weird thing to admit um but and at the same time i that's that's not super like my world i'm i'm not really well versed on all of it but it's just an amazing thing for me to think about that like back in the 60s that people were like enthusiastic about spending billions of dollars yeah and like dedicating like it's taxpayer money too exactly it's not like it's not like today where just regular private billionaires are doing it. Like this was government funded That's right. space travel. Yeah. And from what I know, most people were like supportive of it. And it's just crazy to me because like, like going to the moon, okay, that's really cool. 
and that's awesome. But what does that, what does, what impact is that going to have on my life today? Right. But I think a lot of people who were alive during the moon landings will, they like look back on that, that fondly and like as a right. moment of victory and. Right. And I could, and I, that makes sense to me just because it was the first time that's a long time ago too. So like, they're just like getting color TVs and you know, they're just now really getting into this world of like some sort of media. Um, but you know, the level of significance now, now that the things that we've done now and the, the stuff that we have, I, I just, I don't, you know, the fact that, you know, you bring up the money part, which is probably the most important part. Yeah. And man, we don't have billions for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. This is the one thing that is like, makes me kind of question whether or not it's real is mm-hmm. the fact that, like you said, they did barely had color TVs back then. Right. And it's like it's no cell phones, no like streaming on Netflix, none of that stuff. But they went to the moon and now you're telling me that we have all that, we've made all these advances in technology, but we can't do what they did back it. in the 60s. I don't know. I think we did go to the moon, but that's like a question. That's something that I can't explain, honestly, if someone asked me that. But Which, exactly. And then there, then there you go. Now I'm like, shoot, I don't know. It is kind of weird, yeah, dude. There's, 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 <laughs> it's levels to this, man. Because then you start getting into, you know, there's these guys out there that are into, like, the, the galaxies yeah. and... And that's all way, way beyond what, yeah. what I can comprehend. But anyways, yeah, it's, I'm not sure the significance it would have now. Yeah. But, you know. Well, I do. So my understanding of it is that this happened like during the Cold War. And mm-hmm. so the the thought was that because the Soviet Union was trying to put a man on the moon too. Right. And the thought was that like, if those guys put someone on the moon before us, what does that say about us? Exactly. So there was yeah. this like national pride element behind it, which I guess that kind of makes sense to me. But humans are so strange, dude. It's like, so that's weird. what we're going to see who can get to the moon first. The things see. we care about. Yeah, it, it is really weird. But yeah. I'm sure if I was alive back then, I probably would have been all for it, too. Probably, too. Yeah, it just it does seem weird now, though, that it's just, yeah, I can't really honestly figure it out. And yeah. It's, it seems insignificant, I guess, to really answer the, the original question yeah. at all to what to to our generation and what we're doing. Yeah. Mars might be different. You know, I don't know. You know, they find water and this and that. Yeah. Or I don't, but I don't know. Yeah, I the I'm really interested in that kind of stuff because uh, I mean, like, I like Elon Musk, and yep. um, obviously, he's his company is. They have a goal of going to the going to Mars is like what they really want to do. But I think going to the moon is in the plans. We'll see if it happens. And then, you know, in the news, there's all kinds of like, well, not a lot, but obviously people have heard of Jeff Bezos going to space. And I think Richard Branson has yeah, done it. Yeah. And there's other people out there. And that's really crazy to me because those guys are doing it on their own dime. Own dime, man. Own that's dime. A, I can't even Wild. think about that world, but. It's a different level of coin right there. Well, thanks for talking, indulging me in talking about yeah, space. Yeah, no doubt. Man. I would love if there's any listeners out there who like know a lot about space travel to reach out to me because I would love to have a conversation about it. And I've asked people in the past on the podcast about like aliens and space travel and stuff, but it is something that I'm not an expert in at all, but it's just really fascinating to me to learn about. Absolutely, yeah. Couldn't right, agree more. Man. All right, man. There's there's your two questions. Yeah. Um, and now we'll move on to the third, which, like I said earlier, is uh, 
more about you. And as much as I love talking about going to the moon and aliens and stuff, this is what the podcast is all about is this question right here. And, um, it's an open, open ended question. So you can answer it however you'd like to, but the question is this, what's going on at home? What's going on at home? I think I reacted the same way last time. (laughs) Um, Man, that's such a, there's so many layers to that question, which it's probably the same for everybody Mm -hmm. because it's just, again, a weird time in the world for everything that we've mentioned up to this point. Um, But, you know, at the same, the way that that sort of pairs with just like my life in general and the way that it was going right before the pandemic happened and then like the way it's going now, it's just an interesting kind of, um, kind of conjunction there um so like i said you know i went to school i went to college um 2014 to 2018 so that's four years ago now which a lot of like the point you'll see and i guess what i'm going to explain is like it feels like yesterday Mm. um in a lot of ways and like the beginning of college still feels like yesterday and that's coming up on eight years ago like i don't know how that's even how that's even possible but um, anyway, so, I, so you know, I do do the college thing, and I, I had no thoughts of um, what was to come. It, it just never, you would think that, you know, with all the information that we're sort of given um, through, not, not like, you know, like a school counselor, like, you know, here's the options for, mm-hmm. you know, they pretty much just tell you about college and, you know, like some jobs that are related to maybe the focus you had in high school and, and stuff like that, but the ideas that we were given by, you know, we were like this sort of like sort of the generation of Facebook and then Twitter starts when we're in high school, it gets big. Um, you know, that was sort of like became our information about life. Um, and I was like all caught up in like sports and mm-hmm. and especially baseball. Like that was my thing. And it was going to be, you know, like the time I was growing up, that was going to be the thing I did, you know, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to be a pro ball player. I didn't know what that meant at all. Um, never knew what it took. None of that stuff. It was just, it was just an idea that was there. And, you know, I was, I was good. So I was just like, cool. What, you know, it just, but when things sort of started get real, like 16, 17, 18 years old, when you realize that those, okay, those things now take some action. Like the idea doesn't matter anymore. It's some way, shape or form has got to become real whether that's an action that I take or somebody else's take or that that thing takes <laughs> for you. Um, and so, you know, baseball was sort of that thing that opened my eyes to that. I guess mm. it was when I realized that, oh, dang, like this isn't this isn't what you said. You know, this isn't what you thought and this is what you said you're going to be. And like that's that's like a hard thing, yeah. to, a hard thing to accept. I couldn't accept it. It's, mm. it's not even about being a hard thing to accept. I was incapable of accepting that because to go back to that, that thing about responsibility, I couldn't, I couldn't accept that there were things that I misstepped on. You know, it was, it was about the fact that, you know, this person did that, or I didn't have this, or mm. I didn't have that, or this coach did that, yeah. which all those things are true. That's all part of it. But at the end of the day, you know, I had control over a lot of things that mm. I just didn't, um, I just didn't do. Let me stop you there because I've had a couple of athletes on the show now. One who uh, played college basketball, um, and another who he's a, my cousin River. He's a senior, yeah. um, in high school, and he's done playing sports now. And 
the I've had that conversation with both of them about like the moment you realize where because they had dreams too of like oh, yeah. being pro athletes no and I, like Jervon, he played college right. basketball. He I, he was good enough to play in college. Yeah. Uh, but I talked to him and he's like, I'm nowhere. I never had a chance at, right, right, at like right. pro ball and. It was hard for me to like accept that and like obviously you went kind of yeah. went through that as well yeah it was like you had this dream from when you were young and then eventually there was a moment where you had to accept like that's not how it's gonna be yeah and yeah, i think yeah. that can be devastating for for some people i think i think it changed my life in a lot of ways that i didn't want to give it, i didn't want to give it credit like that much power i think and that that was another mistake i made was like basically ignoring it i guess um but man i i I knew i knew i didn't like i got hurt twice right in high Mm -hmm. school and ended up tearing my labrum and i had surgery senior year um like four and a half five months before the season whatever but in that time sort of like sophomore to junior that's when things ramp up so you go into showcases and coaches can start talking to you and stuff like that. And we were sort of that first generation where coaches could text mm. um, and it wasn't against the rules. And it's not like I was here, like talking to every SEC yeah. coach, you know, it was like a lot of D2 and like stuff like that. Um, but those conversations were happening. But that was the thing is I, in my mind, again, it's just, I, I was always thinking, you know, you're like, you're going to, I wanted to go to Vanderbilt so bad when I was yeah. a kid. And like, you know, I saw David Price and Sonny and, even when Tony got there, like that was a huge deal for me. When Tony got there, because he he was he was just great to me before that, and you know he really believed in me and all this. And and Tony Kemp, Tony for Kemp, those yeah. of you who don't know, is he's he plays in the MLB now. He played at Vanderbilt, and he went to our high school, which was like when it was like it's so close to home. It was like that guy made it. He's from here. He's, he's from, from here, where man. I'm from, and now he's in the big leagues. Yeah, he's, so, yeah. he made it, man. He's, he in, made, the, he's he, in the bigs, man. He's, he's got a ring. The he whole made deal. us believers. Bro. Exactly, bro. That's exactly what it feels like. Um, you know, and, you know, he was he was great to me. And another reason I make that point is because, like, he didn't have to do that. And there was a lot of people along the way that didn't have to do what they did. And by me not by me not taking the bull by the horns on that doing what you're supposed to do, whether I knew the right thing or not, right, whether it was ignorance or not, in a way it's it's disrespectful to that person that invested in you. Mm. Um, and I never I could never have that perspective until later on down the road when when you know when I went to Kentucky and then the, you know the stuff happened there and when that whole situation changed, that's when I finally grasped that perspective. Um, you know, five years too late or what, if you look at it in just the scope of baseball, but this is life. Like either way, if I quit playing baseball when I was 18, most likely I was going to quit when I was 22 after my four years of college, even if I got lucky and, and slid on into the minors for a couple of years. I mean, I was, I was never going to play forever. Even the best ever don't play forever at anything, unless you're Tom Brady, (laughs) apparently. So, um, yeah, just, just all that to say, I get, I guess, um, it opened my eyes to just what happens when you just don't do the stuff you're supposed to do. It's mm-hmm. really simple. I mm-hmm. mean, if you just don't take care of, of um, your side of the street, whatever however, whatever saying you want to put on it, um, that's what happened uh, kind of in like my journey with, with baseball. So just, you know, that the reason I kind of say all that is because I, I define so much of my life by, by what, what baseball mm. was. And I let, 
sort of what other people thought about me as a baseball player define who I was just as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's different reasons for that. Some of them that, like, you know, you're just, you're a kid and you just, you're finding anything you can. Yeah. Like, like I was probably like the most insecure kid you ever meet. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm like, all I care about is what somebody else yeah. think about yeah. me, right? Um, and so just like that, that sort of thing all the time, it was just a, a battle. Like, when I look back on it now, I was really honestly just doing everything I could to just stay like above ground in a way, mm-hmm. just because m- mentally it could get so just like cluttered up or whatever. There's yeah. just so much going on between that school relationships, you know, with your friends, your family, whether you have a girlfriend or what, what you know, all that stuff kind of plays into it. Um, but that's that's all I cared about for it to turn into me realizing you're really not that guy. Mm. Like it's just that's just not who you are, and yeah. and a lot of it, like you got to take responsibility for. And I couldn't do that. I was mm. I was literally incapable at that point. Um, and so that it really affected, I think, my college experience because I was taking those emotions and that you know I didn't realize I was grieving. Right? Yeah. You know, like I like my therapist told me that one time, and I was like, "Grieving baseball? What are you talking yeah. about?" And he's like, "Dude, you lost something." And yeah. I was like, "It's exactly right. I couldn't." Again, like those types of things that seem simple to me now, mm-hmm. going through you know therapy and some of that stuff and programs, I had zero ever type of thought, it, like zero perspective, anything close to that um, at that age. So some of it's just naturally you go, yeah, like you just didn't know, yeah. right? And every kid has that to mm-hmm. some extent. That's one when I look at the guys that do make it, even though they work their butt off, right? I'm going like, you know how many things have to happen, right? Yeah, for you to make it, like. And again, those guys work harder than anybody on the planet. Yeah. But that I'm saying that while saying there's a million guys that work that hard too. Yeah. That and I was not one of them, but there are I saw them. Yeah. Um, I played with them, and you know, guys that you know, there's a guy that went 16th overall, and he's never gonna make it. Mm. But like it was just, and he works his tail off. There's just things that have to happen. So to put to put all your eggs in that basket emotionally, I'm not even talking about like in a practical sense of what that means for life, like limiting your options in life. It wasn't even that. It was the emotional attachment I had to what what baseball meant, right? It was a huge part of just like your identity and even like your ego. Exactly. It was all tied to that. Completely, 100%. And, you know, so that, you know, that dies in effect. Mm -hmm. Um, I played, you know, played that last game and then it was was so, there was something so uh, finite finite about it. It was Mm -hmm. just like, the finality of it was weird. Yeah. Um, kind of like hard to grasp for a while. And like, you know, I didn't, I don't think I ever dealt with it. Maybe I still haven't in some ways. I don't, I don't know. But it, you know, again, all that to say it affected sort of my perspective at that point. So when I go into college, I think I was, I was all bent out of shape, like mentally and emotionally to where, I, you know, anything I think that would have gone wrong at that point would have thrown me off and like that first semester like it pretty much sucked i was yeah. like <laughs> let's just go home bro like yeah. you know i got you were at home i had, everybody was at home actually all my friends are at home yeah. except I, maybe charlie or something um and you know i what for whatever reason i stay I, I think i took some good advice from my parents i remember sitting on the couch and i dude i might have even been crying like i was just that messed up about mm-hmm. it and it was just more like a like look you're here you're halfway through whatever like at the at the very least, like let's just finish a commitment, right? Um, you know, 
cool. And then some things went my way, right? Like, kind of had a bum roommate, and so he moves out, and I end up with my own my own room second semester. Like, little things like that kind of went my way second semester to where um, I started to feel comfortable, I guess, in Lexington and, like, this new person I was being. But again, I knew one person from here that went there. So that's another kind of aspect of this. I kind of had a chance to just go and do whatever I wanted yeah. and be whatever I wanted to be. Anybody would have just... They would have just seen what they saw, and that's all they knew about me. Um, so I think that was intriguing in a very like subconscious way. I don't remember ever thinking about it, but looking back on it, um, I do believe that that was sort of a way that I was thinking because um, I was doing things that were just out of the ordinary um, for me. So, um, and then you know, you know, the basketball basketball things happen. Um, you know, get get the job with the basketball team, and it's like, all right, this is my thing. Now I'm back in sports. You know, team setting. So you you had a job with the Kentucky men's basketball. Yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry for to explain it. Yeah, no, it's no, a- yeah. So I was a student. I was a student manager um, when I was there. So you don't have to tell everything. Yeah. I just wanted people to understand. Yeah. That's so what yeah, you're that's it. About. That's yeah. So I was a student manager there, and and the whole point of that was literally just to sort of fill that void. Um, and again, I didn't realize this then, but that was actually like just a super unhealthy way to handle it. That it's fine. I still should have been a manager, no doubt. But it was another <laughs> thing that I used to push off dealing with whatever it was. At that point, it was just like this identity crisis, you know, and like this loss of of just whatever life was before. I guess mm-hmm. that thing. Um, and it it was it was great for like a, a long time. And part of what happened is is like that realization of, um, you know, this is not, there is no, there is no one thing. Number one, that's, that's the trick. It's like, this is not my one thing that gets me out of this. Yeah. It's a continuous daily reprieve. Right. Um, so like I had that kind of bad perspective, like this is my thing that's going to get me over the hump and get me out of this, whatever. And people are going to like me, uh, you know, like I have this identity, like I'm a freaking Kentucky basketball manager. Like mm-hmm. this is great. Um, and, once that part wore off and just sort of just get back into the reality of just everyday life, once I got used to it, basically, when it just became the norm for me, it wasn't really cool anymore. Yeah. It, it really started to affect my mental and, and sort of the way that I saw life almost because it's just sort of a different type of world, mm. type of culture. Um, and so, man, I gave into that really really quickly because um, I, I, I just I wanted to be adequate so it's like I felt like if I could just be like them or whatever then then I was going to be uh, going to do a suffice job mm-hmm. as a manager that's really all I wanted yeah. to, to look like I belonged really mm. um, who wouldn't exactly who wouldn't? right yeah. absolutely um, and so you know that it just became this this a whole different thing it became just a burden a stress i had zero gratitude for what was going on which was just terrible like come on man this is (laughs) unbelievable what you're getting to do but i was just so blinded by what was going on in my head just because of just that concoction of not dealing with things um old 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 stuff that never dealt with that kind of come up like weird come out sideways in ways you can't understand unless you start doing stuff like therapy and stuff like that to where somebody who knows can explain it to you, right? Like, what a concept. 
um, couldn't couldn't wrap my mind around doing something like that and just until basically I had to um, and it just all that was was just basically the um, the final like the, the the big masquerade of what was leading up to that just nobody could really tell mm-hmm. um, and so yeah it just I mean, it just sort of derailed me and you know I just turned to, to things that you know, it's like, let me just make myself feel better, right? And just get comfortable. So a health, unhealthy relationship with alcohol, an unhealthy relationship with dr- anything, mm-hmm. drugs, food, um, money, all of it, like anything. I was using everything possible to change the way I felt because I was so uncomfortable with what was going on in my life. And I knew that I had a huge responsibility in that, mm-hmm. right? A lot of it was, I hate to say that like the term my fault because it just makes it seem like it's never going to be taken care of but a lot of it i had responsibility in mm-hmm. um and when you put it that way you still it gives you the chance to still take that responsibility um and so i'm still like working yeah. on that to be honest it's hard to not like blame other people or blame other circumstances or you know like there's these natural things about you know pe- people that struggle with alcohol you know like it's in my family right mm-hmm. and so there's this this dna thing about it and you know, so I have this built-in excuse almost. And it's funny because that was the thing before why I wouldn't t- even touch alcohol was because of that. And, like, then it just, it's weird how that changes. It flips mm-hmm. um, once you cross that line. But anyways. Let um, me ask you. Yeah. So I think there's probably probably people listening that either they, they – um, themselves maybe struggling with alcoholism mm-hmm. or have in the past, or at least a, everyone I know at least knows somebody who has right. had that struggle. Right. For people who um, haven't had that struggle of like addiction, what it is at at its root level. Right? Can you, in, in your own words, just explain like what's the diff- what's the diff- difference between like an addiction and then something that oh i just really enjoy this or that's something that i like a lot but what's the difference but because i think that's something that's really hard for people to understand when they've never faced it themselves for sure well number one it's a fine line Mm -hmm. and so and that and you see that sometimes you know with people you know they they genuinely like the effects produced by alcohol and drugs and so they just do them and they can responsibly do them um and then there's some people that do that and it flips and it becomes, it's, it's your brain and it's scientific mm-hmm. at that point. And something has happened in your brain where like there's this chemical thing going on that's very real and very proven. Um, and it's hard to wrap your mind around because especially as a, a man who, you know, to me, I felt like it was just, we, we were always supposed to have some sort of will that was like greater mm. than most. Mm. For at least it felt that way as a guy and as an athlete, as a guy who's big in stature, all that stuff. Um, and so when a person, you know, I saw myself that way to at least I would at least have control over things, maybe. Yeah. Um, and to get to a point where you have zero control over the way your body is now responding to something. Now I chose to abuse alcohol and I knew exactly what I was doing when I first did it. So when I explain this, I, you know, I don't want people to get it mixed up. Like 
I knew exactly what I was doing the first time I abused anything, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Um, that just, I guess just shows you sort of the power of the mind mm-hmm. where it was like, you can be so diabolical where there's this really rational thought going on. Like, this is a bad decision. You shouldn't do this. This is that. And then there's this really emotional thing going on that takes over the rational part of your brain, literally. And then you do something that you wouldn't otherwise do um, because you drove yourself to that point. Mm. At least that's how it happened for me. Um, And so, you know, when you summarize it, a word that I like, I think I've told you this before, is just powerlessness. Yeah. You literally just lose control over it. And then with things like alcohol or um, like opiates, Mm -hmm. there's a physical side of it. And so then you start reacting physically. So then there's a point where you literally medically almost don't have a choice, especially with alcohol, because then seizures get involved and, and all this. And it's just like, how in the heck did I get here? Yeah. How did I get here? Have you ever seen the show, uh, dope sick? No, I haven't. Have you heard of it? Yes, but I haven't seen it's it. It's really good. It's on Hulu. It's about um, it's about how OxyContin became yeah. like how you told me about this. That's why I knew about it, it. Uh, it's like how it was introduced to the market, and you know, I've never, I've never abused like opiates before, but that show does a really good job of like showing uh, one how deceitful the company was that created oxycontin mm-hmm. was and also just how it, it took over people's lives and like you said it's like they get to a place where they're addicted and then they look and they're like i have no idea how i got here it's... but now they're so far down the road it, it really one of two things happen either you quit or you die it's... and unfortunately a lot of people died yeah. and are still dying from it today it's 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 crazy man um you know, that's something, you know, I've been in and out of the rooms as far as AA and NA goes, been in treatment facilities, all that stuff. Um, and that's the thing you hear is that there's only like a, 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 like two or three places and it's, you know, institutions, jails, or six feet under. Mm-hmm. That's literally your only three options if you keep doing this. Yeah. Um, and you tell somebody that and that would never be enough. Mm. That would never be yeah. enough to stop somebody. You that's can tell them they're going to die. Yeah. You know that that per, that person when you know I was I I was fortunate to where when I you know I had an issue with painkillers when I had my had my ankle reconstructed back in 2017 um, basketball injury terrible but anyways um, like I said there's like this I had to take this responsibility and I knew exactly what I was doing the first time I chose to take more it's like I can see it now exactly where I was sitting on the couch upstairs it's almost like it's almost like i looked at the bottle and was just like this is just something i'm gonna do um you know i was just i was devastated number one because like we're just the practicality of it all the point we're at in the season and stuff like it was a hundred miles an hour we're right there sec tournament start and we're about to make this run you know like we're like the best team left am i go to the final four like i might get all this stuff And then that happens just one night at midnight, right? At Vanderbilt's practice gym for a stupid manager game. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there like, this has really just happened. Like, just like that, one thing can happen. And I wasn't, here's the thing. I had no grasp of gratitude either. So the whole time leading up to that, the whole year and a half, two years before that I had started working with the team, 
I was just so, I guess, lost in it, which I, I guess how you couldn't you be. Um, and just trying to keep up at the same time that I, I just couldn't understand how great it really was, mm. um, which is unfortunate. I think it happened to pretty much everybody I worked with. Mm. Um, so it's not like I feel too bad about it. It's just unfortunate that because of that lack of gratitude, that lack of perspective, when that did happen, when that adversity was, was thrown at me, I was ill-prepared, always was. And so, you know, that that reaction, and I knew that about myself deep down. I really did mm-hmm. before anything. I knew that about myself at this point at this point in my life when I did get hurt. Um, it's just, it was like that perfect collision of, man, now I can sit, I can sit here on my butt. I don't have to move. Mm-hmm. And I can make my body feel better than it ever has yeah. by just putting something in my mouth and drinking it with water and swallowing it. Yeah. That's all I got to do. And it... <laughs> It's power equipment, and I, you know, it was to, to your point. It was a very irresponsible. Um, you know, I would never ever give the details. But it was an irresponsible uh, prescription. Yeah, three of them. That's the only way to look at it. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it's man, it's sick. And I've had friends die from that. You know, yeah. a guy not long he went to Franklin. I was in AA with him a lot, and just a good kid. Um, but man, just. For whatever reason, you know, he had to go back out there, and then it, there was a last time. Mm. Um, so, well, we're running a little short on time, so I'll have to have you back. Um, yeah, and we can talk about kind of your journey to how you got to where you are now. Yeah. But to finish off for today, I want to ask you, like, where where are you at right now in like your fight for sobriety? Yeah, and then also. Like, what is your dream of, like, where do you want to be? Because obviously the goal is to be sober. But beyond that, like, where else do you want to go beyond just being sober? Yeah. that's Well, that's a great question. I am glad you said it that way, even though I I know you didn't say that way on purpose. Because, and this guy said this in the the last place I was in. He said, man, I, I cannot teach sobriety. I don't know how to do it. But I can teach recovery. You know, I know how to do that. And so that sort of changed my perspective. Um, but to answer the first part of the question, um, man, I'm struggling with it. Mm. Just just for a lot of different reasons. But part of it is, you know, kind of like the, the stress of just living kind of in this world right now. Part of it is just very practical things. Um, you know, trying to get back into school and there's this logistics with that and money, a lot of money is involved in going to college, yeah. even for just one year. Um, that's so, a whole different conversation whole different conversation <laughs> right and so just you know there's there's very practical stresses and, and all that and other another thing about it is for whatever reason man, I just like I said I, I like the effects produced by alcohol mm. I do I, I, I don't know what what that thing is or why um, but I know exactly where to go when I'm uncomfortable and so that's kind of like what it comes down to it's not that simple obviously um, but you know, when you're not doing the right things, it's going to get you every time. Like this is your disease is in the corner doing pushups. It's kind of, mm-hmm. it's always getting stronger yeah. um, and it wants to kill you. Yeah. So it's, it's progressive. It wants to kill you. So if you're not doing anything, if you're not going to meetings, you're not talking to people, anything at all, it's going to get you every single time. And so I'm in, sort of in that process of letting my guard down on that front. It's not like I was going to meetings every day. Right? It's been a while since I've done that, to be honest. But there was, there's this, there was this effort there um do, do do things the right way 
put in an honest day's work, all that kind of stuff. Be nice to people, do something for somebody, mm-hmm. all that. You know, I was doing a pretty good job with that. And I noticed my relationship with alcohol was completely different. I, I didn't really have them with it because I wasn't really drinking. Um, but as soon as I lose that perspective, which a lot of time revolves around gratitude, once again, being thankful for the things you do have, um, oh, it eats me alive yeah. quickly too. So that's sort of sort of where I'm at with it. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I'm in like any danger, but it's never, you know, it's kind of like those things. Not to be like matter of fact, but you're kind of either recovering or you're slowly dying. Hmm. It's kind of one of those things. Um, your so. mind. So I want to ask you about like your mindset because obviously, like you said, it's hard right yeah, now. Yeah. Do you? Do you think it's always going to be like this? Like, do you think it's always going to be this hard? Yeah, I do. You do? Fully, I, actually, I fully believe that. Just because, number one, is you always hear that from like the old timers mm-hmm. and stuff. They'll tell you that. But the thing that can change is like sort of that other part of your brain. And that's what you work on. That's the, mm-hmm. you know, that's the reason for the steps and, and doing service work and, and meditating and all that stuff is... You know, maybe you don't break a habit, but you build a new one. And not to use basketball, but that's what Coach always said. It was like, I cannot break your old habits. I can't do it. It's impossible. But I can build new ones mm-hmm. to replace them. And so if if you're kind of continuing to do that, then you can accept the fact that it's really, really, really hard and always will be. And those, those same things will attack you, those same thoughts. Yeah. But you can sort of continue to find a strength in the other side of the coin is the knowledge that you learn when you mm-hmm. go to those meetings and, and talk to those people, talk to a sponsor, whatever, however you do it, whatever your approach is. If you're continuing to do that, then again, as true as that other part stays, your, your perspective will continue to change and, and you'll find more strength through those other things. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that the thing goes away. You just, you gain new power mm-hmm. in, in other things. So, Well, I think that's a good place for us to stop. Yeah. Um, I do want to have you back on eventually sometime because I, yeah. I think your story is amazing and obviously it's, it's still being written too. So right. we'll, we'll, uh, we'll catch up again. And, yeah. um, but I want to thank you, man, for being here and for sure. thank you for being so honest and, and candid. And, uh, once you know, I'm proud of you, man. And thank you, bro. So I think there's some things about just that struggle that I probably don't understand um, in the way that that you do. But one thing I do know is that you've fought hard to get where you are right now. Mm. And so um, I'm proud of you, man. And I'm thankful that you're my friend. And uh, I'm thankful for to know that I have someone like you in my corner. And I hope you know I'm in yours too. So Always, always. I, I couldn't be more grateful for you and... I mean, you're one of the best guys I know. You would never take that compliment, but I'm giving it to you. So. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate you, bro. All right. Well, I love you, and we'll do this again. You're taking care of my dog this weekend. That's so right, I'm man. Gonna give you the love shout out to Kate him. and Javon. Yes, shout out. I'm happy for them. So, uh, to those of you listening, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back with more episodes soon. Have a great day. I've been lost in my mind too long.
lost in my mind. 